Welcome back to another episode of Life with Alcohol and Drugs from the charity Scottish Families. Hi Agnes, uh, welcome to our Life with Alcohol and Drugs podcast. I'm Daryl McLeister, the Family Support Development Officer for Inverclyde um, and I'm here with, with you. Would you like to introduce yourself, your your name and maybe a little bit about what brings you to Scottish families? Well, um, my name is Agnes Donachie. Thanks for inviting me to the podcast. Um, and uh, I joined, well, I, I, I didn't know that I needed to join anything. I was just looking for some guidance uh, to um, to help a loved one. Um, I already had uh, my brother died of alcoholism and we didn't want to have another uh, victim on our hands. Uh, so I thought we would try and find out what's available in Inverclyde uh, and get some guidance. Well, thanks for being with us, Agnes. It sounds like addiction is an issue that's, that's affected your life in, in a few different ways, so thank you for being with us today. You, you recently started attending our group that we host on a Friday morning, our Family and Friends Support Group. Um, and I just wonder, what would you say to someone who was thinking of coming along to that group? I would say it's absolutely essential um, to, to attend one of these groups. Um, even although it's, a, it's, it's a bit nerve-wracking and you don't know, you don't know what you're going to find out and you, and you don't know what guidance and you don't know where you fit in, um, and uh, I went along and it's really hard to believe, hard to even to, to describe how they made you feel. Wow. Um, even although the first week, like everybody else, you, you don't say very much, you just listen. It was so overwhelming to feel the strength of the people in that group. Uh, and even although um, yourself, Daryl, really, or Candice, just chaired it. The minute they sat down, it was like offloading, were like emotional hoovers. It was offloading the stress and you could feel that in the room, but it was a really good feeling um, and they made me very welcome. Wow, good. So you felt welcome, although it felt a little bit overwhelming, it felt, mm. it felt nice to share that and you could see that happening in the room. Thank yeah. you. you. You described to me kind of... Um, how you would feel when you got in the room, you wanted to kind of say to the listeners how they might feel if they went along to a support group. So how, how would someone feel, do you think, if they went to a support group like that? Well, if you're, if you're new to something like this, like I am, and, um, and sometimes I can imagine if it was a loved one, you would feel maybe a bit ashamed or, or uh, helpless um, and wondering where the guidelines are and where you can um, where, where the group can give you the advice of where they're at with their loved ones and I, I really felt that that was, that was a great help to, help to me. Great, thank you. You've described that really well. We've got some questions I suppose that we agreed to in advance and some things that you were interested in that may be featured as part of your life and your understanding of addiction and understanding of your loved one's addiction and I know one of the key themes we talk about often is, is trauma and one of the questions I suppose I wanted to ask you about was you've got a lot of ideas around 
how someone might resolve their trauma or get a little bit of support and help with their trauma. So I really want to begin with that, that big, big question. Um, what ideas have you got for helping someone deal with, with trauma and how does it factor into their addiction? I'm not uh, generalising on my loved one just, just on alcohol and looking at the rest of the group, their traumas sounded even worse than mine's. Um, but how they approached it, we were in the same the same level. Um, <clears throat> but I could, first of all, uh, yourself, Daryl, uh, gave me a phone call, a couple of phone calls, before inviting me. So the the choice was totally mine. And and what I liked about the Scottish families and yourself, uh, you gave me a chance to get to know you. Uh, before you, I felt I would feel as though I was pressured to come in. It's not the case at all. I came of my own accord, um, and when when I came into that that room, I could see things a bit more clearer because of their stress stress levels. Um, it, it was I could see it was difficult for them to see any happy ending or any way forward, um, and. And, and, and I felt I've done a lot of um, investigation regarding stress and trauma and everything like that because we've all experienced them in my life and um, when you're getting that bit older uh, you kind of look at these things and see kind of what, make, what makes you tick but the, these people um, are at this group are just amazing how they could even sit there and give me advice with the traumas that they're going through and the laughs. Oh my God. I came away from that and honestly, they really, they, they kind of changed, changed my life and my perspective of oh. people that take their alcohol dependent and drug dependent. It totally changed, changed my attitude, it opened my eyes to let me see that these people, that Joe Public, see in the street or outside the shopping centre or, or anything like that, they're these women's children. And the more the more that that's aired, the better. Because um, they're just absolutely beautiful, strong people. Wow. Really strong. I mean, oh, I mean, I'm not preaching to you. I'm, I'm, I want to let people know that Anybody that's thinking of coming along, it's like going to your your sisters or your brothers or your you know anybody that truly loves you and trust some. You could trust every single one of them in that room, and I found that in ten minutes. Wow, wow. Ten so in, minutes. In ten minutes alone, you felt you could trust the people in the room. You've, you've touched there on the, the kind of laughs as well. So it wasn't just a a sombre affair for people, it was something yeah. that there was a lot of joy and happiness mm-hmm. to be found in that room and a lot of strength as you as you rightly highlighted. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's been it's been a big move for you coming coming to the group then. It feels like it's really changed your your life, you said there. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, it changed my perspective on uh, looking well, I can say without contradiction that I always looked at things like that, drugs and alcohol, as self inflicted. And um, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm not alone. And um, and I really feel that people need 
that attitude changed. Right. And um, and you know, I, I'm I'm not blameless myself. I'm not blameless, and you never know whose door that these problems are going to knock on. Um, so I really I really felt that I had to have a look at myself and say, you know, you and people like you need to change your attitude. Uh, and I know they say it's self-inflicted and, and, and they're draining the system and everything like that, but the system should be there for everybody. Wow. The National Health should be there for everybody. Um, we're all human at the end of the day. This is something you, you, you sort of described to me. You've really changed your, your stance on this. It's almost something you used to see as a very self-inflicted problem <coughs> and now you're understanding of it's very guided by understanding that someone might have been through some traumas in their life there's there's an underlying reason why someone might choose to to drink alcohol or to use drugs and tell me more about about that trauma how do you think trauma does impact on someone using alcohol or taking drugs um well i, I did quite a lot of study and even more in the past couple of months and um, to help me understand and also I'm going to be mentoring children in school and I'm just waiting for a match. Right. <laughs> God tell anybody it's matching me but uh, I'm waiting a match and um, it made me look at that side of thing. I did a, I did a big study about trauma and, and, and where it starts and it even can come from the birthing channel. Um, and the kids feel your feel your stress, and and I was reading, uh, you know, uh, Gabor Mate, and he said the best gift that you could give your child is your happiness, because they really sense the trauma that you're going through and it affects them, and that that made me think that um, to to look at these things from a young age, not from what happened when now adults um, look at them from 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 a child and uh, and see what they can do in the schools to combat combat that then uh, and then maybe we won't be sitting around the table with twenty women with uh, adult uh, drug addicts and alcoholics. That's that's my opinion. Sure. Yeah. And and one of the ways in which you're making that reality, you just mentioned it there, the the mentoring program that you're getting uh -huh. involved in. Would you mind telling us just a little bit about that? What what attracts you to that, and what you hope to achieve by doing that? Well, when you get a certain age in, in your life, you think, well, um, I think it's time to give something back, and um, and 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 when you look at life, uh, and you think, how 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 could I help? Um, you know. And give something back, and I did this study, and I felt as though I had something to offer. I've run numerous businesses. Um, um, I, I really don't take any medication. Um, um, you know, quite spiritual in that sense as well. Um, and uh, I just feel I, I want to give something back. Well, thank you. It's great to hear that. You know, mm -hmm. and what draws you into those programs, and to know some of those programs are, are all over Scotland. In fact, the um, yeah, there's, there's lots of availability for things like that. Um, one thing I, I just want to, to, to come back to then, so one thing that really struck me when I, when I met you for the first time and you told me a little bit about your story was that you used to run a pub, so you used to run a pub in Spain and, and here you are today talking about the issues that maybe 
people run into when, when it comes to alcohol. So, so that feels like a big uh, contrast in a way. So I suppose I wanted um, to ask you about that. You mentioned that you don't drink at all and you used to run this pub in Spain. I just wonder how that whole experience um, affected your perspe- perception of alcohol. Well, I don't mean to be too self-righteous about what I don't do and uh, because um, that was just me. It wasn't anything to do with the way I was brought up either. I was always surrounded by alcohol and, and party theme and all that. But I, f- I found out when you watch, when I was, I could do a big study on people that drink because you know the time when things are going to get out of hand or, you know, they're ready for dancing or they're ready. But I did notice there's a difference between wanting a drink and needing a drink. Right. And, um, I saw the, the happy side of people, um, however much I was worried that their inhibitions were gone, but you could see what they were getting from alcohol, I could clearly see that, they were dancing and singing and all that, um, but there is another side to the alcohol and it's the same as drugs. Now I think uh, the alcohol is an easier thing to get addicted to because it's so easy, it's so readily available. You can buy it from a corner, you don't have to depend on anybody. Um, but uh, I don't know what the statistics are regarding alcohol and, or, or drugs or what's worse and what's, I, I don't know. Um, Maybe you might tell me something. Well, um, maybe, but I mean, I'm I'm really interested just in your experience, yeah. I suppose, and what it, what it felt um, like on the ground. And I, I just I just feel that um, it looked to me like it was more controlled, just because of the type of people that um, came into my bar, and they were happy. Um, I don't know if you see very many happy drug addicts. Right. I I haven't anyway. Right. It's an interesting comparison, isn't it? You know, you don't, you, uh, there are, there's a place where you can go in society to go and be happy while you're drinking, but not necessarily while you're taking drugs. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting perspective. Thank you, Agnes. Um, okay, I've got some more questions as well. So we'd, we talked a little bit about, about the family support that's been offered to you and about the support that's been offered to your your loved one and, uh-huh. and, and maybe not offered to some of your loved ones as well. So I suppose the question I had was if, if you could change one thing that had been offered to your family member, mm-hmm. what, what would you change about the support that they've been offered? What have they been offered? Well, there was no support then um, because it was uh, in an era where it was okay to drink. And um, I feel the the, the drink and drugs and the material world created the the alcoholics and the drug addicts because uh, they have and they have nots and as well as the, the stress and trauma they might have experienced um, about not feeling loved or, or, or not good enough or coming from a big family all of a sudden one of them's you know I, I mean I'm from a family of seven and some of the things in, in, in my family only affected me and they didn't, and they see that in a different way and and that's that's just uh, just the way it is when when you have a developing brain when you're young in my opinion my opinion but 
Now, if I could change anything, I would have been more, I would have gave my brother more support and my loved one. I would have gave him more support. And just because the world is such a fast world and, and you know, everybody wants a better car, everybody wants a better house, a bigger house, everybody wants, and these kind of a demands were, were put on you. I was one of those people myself. Um, and uh, sometimes we're busy doing that, that we don't, we're not blameless, but we don't stop and think, although I'm, I'm creating a material world, things that we never had, what about if they just want love? That's, that's quite difficult. But that's what I would have did. I would have sat down, I would have sat down with my brother and said, tell me how I could help you, instead of giving them £20 or £30. Um, I, I would have sat down and did that. See, we, we understand, um, you know, how can we help? Because we were a beautiful family um, and uh, we could have done that. Um, so that, that's what I would say. And I would say that even although we might not like, we might not like what we hear, we can fix that. We're, we're not alcoholics, we're not drug addicts. We, we, we're, if there is a normal, but we're, we're classed as normal. Um, so that that's what I would do. I, I would I would give. I, I think the family, all families could could play a bigger part, even though they've been hurt um, by having a drug addict or an alcoholic. And the, and the, if they're asked, you know, sometimes sometimes um, it's difficult because they want to see it from the mother perspective. They don't want to hurt the mother, or they don't want. That really, they should be. Supporting the mother, wow. saying let's we'll do this as a family. Right. I think that was well. They say uh, when the family um, give out love, you know, it's just a big um, emotional painkiller. Yeah, that's wow. what they say. <laughs> I've heard you say that. You've used that term a lot, actually. And I really like right. that idea of an yeah. emotional painkiller. And I heard you say the other day as well. You said you know just come back to that material world conversation. I heard you say something about. If my daughter had asked me for £100, I'd have found it in my wallet, but if she'd asked me for £100 of, of love, I'd have really struggled to, to note that. that yeah, well, we would have... Um, oh, we're too busy living in a material world. It's still quite a material world. Um, I also joined a, a creative writing class there a couple of weeks ago, and um, which I think Invercloud is absolutely amazing, that provide all these things. And... Um, some people might might disagree um, on that, but when you've lived in a foreign country and the government give nothing, you, you would you would soon know. But anyway, uh, and um, and the woman came in out of the kitchen, and she said, uh, "There is a point to this story, Dal." And she said, "Hello, ladies, uh, how are you? Are you enjoying your class?" And obviously, you could tell she was a cook because she had an apron and all that on. And we said, oh yes, thank you. And uh, she she said, uh, yeah, oh that's good. And and I said, and what 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 are you doing? What do you do? Are you joining the class? No, I just came in to say hello. She said, uh, I'm the cook. And uh, I said, and what do you do? And she started telling us. And uh, and the, the the four people that's round the round the table, have worked in banks, mortgages, um rugby commentators and they're all 
in normal jobs. <laughs> normal sure. or quotation middle, marks, yep. middle class jobs. So um I said that's good. She said yes, but I have got to uh, I've got to reapply uh, for my job because it's uh, funded. I go so even though you're providing for the community, giving them meals for free and everything like that, she said yeah. Um, it's, we've got to apply and it's, it doesn't, we don't really know if we'll get our job uh, and so and she told Seven she was doing and and so cheery to come in and and say hello and away she went and I looked at around the room and I said sure that's amazing and I said yeah and I goes no but it is amazing where I know you are all professional people I've been a professional person in my life as well and run businesses and everything and I said where would we have ever came across people that do things in the community to really appreciate what that woman did and does for the community so you know like more people should get involved you know like if God forbid if one of them went out and and, and did damage to their hip or some course they're going to go to the NHS and if they've got a bad shoulder or a bad leg course they're going to go well, sometimes the, 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 the alcoholics and especially in the young people and the drug addicts they, they're actually victims sometimes of the society that we live in as well and um, because we don't help um, what was a, a, a maybe a small trauma in the developing mind all of a sudden, everybody's hating them. Where are they getting their love from? Where do they get that love? Wow. And everybody deserves that, I think. Wow. No, I know. Statement. You know. <laughs> it's a very, very powerful statement. You know, mm-hmm. where, where do people get that love from? And in your reflecting, I suppose, there on how your journey just now, you know, attending creative writing courses and doing something different from what you would normally do, that's helping you to connect with different members of the, the community who previously you, you might not have had that contact with. And that's from your perspective, that's been a really good thing. Yeah, there's an understanding. Uh, I have an understanding now of that other area that, that my path didn't cross. Right. Um, but the, also the... Um, I, I know you're going to ask me about the the parents, the, the mothers of these children, so I'll keep that for you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let's maybe let's maybe tackle that just now, I suppose. So mm-hmm. um, you've, you've touched on that there, and a lot of the people you've come across on this journey are, are mothers, and, and we've probably got a lot to cover there. So what what what's your take on that? You know, what, what do you want to say on that issue, the idea of um, where people get their love and, and those connections and the, the family members maybe you've come across in your journey? Well, because of the strength that these parents and and, and the, the 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 love um that they that they, they show these these their children and they feel let down by uh the government. They feel let down and um and, and they just don't know where to turn. Now, um, I did another little study on that to say that most of the time that stress brings on chronic illness. And um, and I found that round, round the table. Some of them had some chronic illnesses that they shared with the, with the group. And um, 
and where where are they getting their love from? And where are they getting their guidance? They're only doing this as a mother or a sister. Uh, that's what they're doing. So, but how how would they know how to really support? Um, and and they're their only point of contact is the mother because she's supporting. My God, it's just unconditional love. But I also found hate round the table too. Right. Tell where me where they love them, but they don't always like them. And sometimes they hate them. From my perspective, you know, you said a phrase there that really rang true that, that rings out in all the groups I do, that idea of I love them, but I really don't like their behaviour. I really mm-hmm. hate their behaviour. Uh-huh. And, and that idea of unconditional love. And, and a lot of the, the groups I run, that unconditional love is really present. Mm-hmm. It often comes at a cost as well. So I suppose let me frame it in that way. You know, what when it comes to unconditional love, what's good about that and, and what's not so good about that? What What's the impact on the... Well, on the... the the not so good was how the parents suffered the chronic and stress, no running on empty, no sleep, and just not even concerned about themselves. That doesn't even come into the picture. But if they only knew that how much strength that they need to actually deal so they need to they need to be healthy and they need to be strong. That's a great gift to give the the loved one they're looking after. And um, because if they if they don't do it and they feel as though that nobody else is going to do it, then where would their loved ones be? So although they've got to, I feel they've got to look after themselves because uh, chronic illness and then of course their loved ones will feel the guilt more guilt more. And where 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 does it end? So I, I truly think that um, one-to-one therapy, um, and I think that the, the mothers need it too, the people that are looking after them need it too. They need the understanding, um, which actually is coming uh, with the craft that the families, Scottish families are providing. Um, it's a quite an American way of, um, of approach, but it's penny dropping. Um, it's it makes a change from people saying, well, this is what you've got to do, and this is what you've got to, do, and all that, and people don't like that either. You don't know how I feel. I've I've did I've did all I can, uh, and and even if there was a trauma regarding the parents, whether it might be the husband, whether it might be the brother, whether it might be the sister or anybody, these loved ones don't want to hurt the parents anymore, so they'll keep it to themselves. And, and, and it just snowballs, um, is what I see. But with the, with the rehabilitation, well, that's a good word. Rehabilitate means to get something back. So if you gave them, with that, going to climb a mountain, if they get to the top in that mountain, what have they got back? They're still left with the trauma that started in the first place. Okay, now to get to that top, it's so important for those parents and family to be behind them, um, or even in front of them, pulling them up. Uh, so it's really important for that. Um, but then 
to get that something back, who are they? Who are they now? Because ten years might have been passed. I wasn't the same person ten years ago. I wasn't the same person twenty years ago. Ten years could pass, and that young child, say from ten, twelve upwards, that they have lost. That's part of their adult. What you and I would be, you know, adults by that time, sixteen or seventeen or whatever. What is in, what's the incentive? It's like it's like any job. You start a job and you there's an incentive in it for you. You go well. You do this and you do But what is there in the government to offer these people to feel normal if there is any normal? Again, what, what what's there? What what's the carrot? What's the carrot? Just um, uh, so just pulling some of those threads together. You know, you're you're describing recovery and people moving into recovery and giving up alcohol or drugs. Mm-hmm. It's like a journey up a mountain. You know, and, uh-huh. and that idea of getting to the top, but. But they're still being left over traumas behind, and, and that process of being one of rediscovery, trying to remember who you are, what your values are. You know that idea. I've got in my notes here a quote from you saying, "I've I've been about thirty different people." You know uh-huh. that that idea of rediscovering who you are, and I really love your quote there about um, family and friends being behind someone, or sometimes uh-huh. even in front of them to pull them up. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that. And just going back to some earlier threads, you you were mentioning there as well about <coughs> the. The pain of that unconditional love is that sometimes you give so much, you end up with your own health conditions. You, you've kind of given away so much of yourself that it, it's really hard to find that again. And where does someone who's a family member try to support someone? But do they get their love from? And how do yeah. they restore their own well-being? And how mm. do they nourish themselves? And and I wanted to come back to that because you mentioned that you've been you've been a really big advocate for something called the emotional freedom technique, yeah. EFT. Um, and you've talked a lot to me about that. So I thought now might be a good time to just bring that in a little bit and just hear your experience of that and what you'd say to anyone who's listening to this who might be thinking about accessing that kind of treatment or technique or, or something similar. You know, what, what would you say to someone? Well, years ago, um, when, when I had emotional freedom technique, EFT, um, which I didn't think I needed, um, which is a lot of people might not think that they need therapy, and when when you have somebody there listening to your words, it was a bit like a jigsaw, and you had the pieces, and 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 they were showing them where the pieces go, um, and and every week I resented going, I I really don't know why I'm going here, I'm the most in control, blah blah blah, but it did me the absolute world of good, and I still use that to this day. Because we're all made up of emotions. Some of you have got the freedom in not being so emotional. And it gives you the ability for a positive and negative. You're in control of that switch. And um, and after you say something, they'll say, well, they'll give you about 10 other positive reasons why that happened. And it's up to you whether you want to choose the negative or the positive. Right. Uh, and that was amazing for that was amazing for me. Now I know that um, well, the statistics which I don't know in Inverclyde because I've not been here that long. I don't know, but they're not working. And and as I can see, things are getting worse. And there's still these people around the table. And this the group, the families, Scottish families, is getting bigger. Something's not working. Right. 
And so I think um, therapies, uh, natural therapies, and uh, EFT and other one-to-one um, are absolutely amazing. But you can these these things are still available, but they cost money, so they do. But if the government would look at cost money, I understand. Everybody's got a house to keep. And same as the government, I understand that. But uh, when you look at that long term, if if those these loved ones, these mothers, won't have so many chronic illnesses, the hospitals and doctors and 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 the prescription drugs that they, they give them, that would all cut down. The people themselves, um, would get the help. Now they must cost stomach problems. Uh, they lots of sugar. They don't eat well. They don't sleep well. That's all still costing money. So how the same housekeeping could be turned around and with better results, and for a better Inverclyde community to live in. Wow. So you you can really see the value there of kind of deeper therapies of of more holistic uh, and different yeah. styles of therapies. I suppose your view would be that those should be offered out more, uh-huh. more freely and more more openly and, yeah. and with a lot more flexibility than what they might be just now. Mm. Thanks, thanks for that perspective. And I suppose that brings me on to another question. Then, so thinking about what you said there and the experience of families, um, we talked a little bit about commissioning services and who's responsible for that. And we talked a little bit about that idea of families having a a bigger voice. You know, and that idea of families being involved a little bit more and what services might look like. Do you, do you think there is scope or do you think there's a reason why families should be involved a little bit more in that level? Should families have more of a say in what's offered? Well, I've listened uh, to some people uh, in the group and, and even on the group, the WhatsApp group, is just absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And um, I've listened to them and I've heard them saying that their loved ones say, no, you, people don't understand, and, and I'm sorry. and I, But the only people that they can trust with unconditional love would be their families. So I feel as though if the families, uh, which Scottish families are doing with the craft, I think that's going to be amazing. I went to see a One Woman show yesterday that was uh, introduced by the Scottish families. And, um, that was our This Fierce Love show, wasn't it? Yes, and uh, that was amazing. Um, and uh, she reenacted all the emotions, uh, everything she took it from when they first met. I could have been anybody in that room, story, anybody in that room. Um, and these that's the same as therapy in a sense because you're actually watching somebody else's life uh, and you know you can see a light uh, I did have a happy ending which is not always the case but I think with the help if the, if the parents can understand therapy and, and, and health issues and know as much stress and everything like that their loved ones will trust them more See, look, this is what we can do, because it's worked here. Instead of them finding it off, maybe a social worker or, 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 or somebody that comes and visits, I've heard them saying something about that. Um, they've not heard it, they've actually heard it. And so they'll trust, in my opinion. 
really interesting and it's a core part of our craft sessions is about saying actually if we can encourage you as a family member to just change a little bit of your behaviour not only is that going to help you out but mm. one of the things it does is it sort of models that you can change your own behaviour mm. if I can change mine then you also can change yours so I think that ties in really nicely to some of the themes around around craft yeah. um, it's, not, it's not tough love No. it's not tough love because ask a mother to give tough love and no chance yeah. no, no, when the, no when they're trying to save their son's life or their daughter's life it's, it's not tough love but it's 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 making themselves aware how strong that they need to be and this is the type of treatment that they need to keep strong for them. Wow. Shifting the focus onto themselves um, rather than their, their loved ones and it looks like tough love but they're really building strength into themselves. Wow. I really loved the way you described it earlier on. You said looking after yourself is one of the best gifts you can give someone else and I think yeah. that's a really a really really lovely way of describing yeah. that when we look after our own well-being we're actually looking after everyone else around about us as well at the yeah. same time you mentioned during that um chat there just a little bit about about the whatsapp group as well and I kind of just wanted to tug on that thread a little bit and um, because we, we have our in face-to-face groups in person and we also have our, our little whatsapp channel down here in Inverclyde where I think we've got about 24 25 people on that so just tell me a little bit about what what does that whatsapp group offer you that might be slightly different from other ways of engaging well um if I'm being honest um it, again <coughs> it was more what I could lend to that group because I felt as though I was a little bit stronger than the, 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 the women that was round the table. When it came to the group, then they would um, all their emotions would come again because whatever happened that day was on that group. And it might have been one of their, their sons that hasn't come in all night and the worry and the this and the that. And one of, one of the ladies in the group said, if it wasn't for joining this group, she said, I would be calling the police calling an ambulance and I would be, I mean imagine she would be abusing the system is what she felt, she was phoning ambulances for her son, phoning the police to come and settle him down but instead of that she was turning to the group. Right. So I, I saw that as amazing support and she she wasn't having strangers coming in and she knew these people on the group that she was she was getting the advice from. And it's all, you can see through this whole element, it's an element of trust and love, honestly. Um, and they're just amazing, amazing people. But I, I don't think I've ever met more amazing people in my life. Wow. In that's, my life. That's an amazing statement. And strong. Wow. It would shame you. So never, never look at the parents of... of um, when you see their son or daughter, don't think they don't come from parents that don't love them. I don't care about them. Um, I strongly believe it's a trauma. Wow. In, in a young age. Wow. Okay. I think we're, we're approaching the end of our time together, mm-hmm. I think. So we've just got a few minutes left, and I suppose I want to ask you at the end of this, um, just as if there's any last messages or last words you'd want to say to anyone who might be listening to this. This this podcast might go out to people all over Scotland, even further afield mm-hmm. than that, so it might be people further outside of Inverclyde. What what would you say to anyone who is listening to this more generally? What what's your last words about family support and, 
um, the needs that people might need to get met when it comes to, to, to being a family member or living with, a, with alcohol or drug use. What, what last words do you have to anyone out there listening today? If I was listening to myself talking and, and I was, I had the traumas and the stresses with the, with, with the loved ones that some of the people around that table would have, I would say, oh, it's okay for her because she's quite strong. I'm not strong. Um, she, she's not suffering the pain that I'm suffering. She's not suffering the trauma. Uh, I might have two people on, on, on drugs and they're right. But believe me, it, it would be an absolutely amazing thing for them to listen to the Scottish families and take their guidance and go when it suits them. Because, yeah, not, not everybody needs to be like me. But I have got such a passion for this now um, that I really want to stand up and, and you know, don't want to shout with a whisper is what some of these mothers are, are, are feeling just now. So I would say, don't say it's all right for her. I would say, is this group okay for me? And the answer to that would be absolutely. The group and uh, the Scottish families uh, of anybody that's been affected with alcohol and drugs, this is the place to be if you're looking for genuine, confidential support. Thank you very much, Agnes. That's really kind of you to say that. And yeah. thank you very much for your time this afternoon. I'll uh, we'll end things there, I think, and yeah. I'll see you at group hopefully this week. You're welcome, Daryl. <laughs> we are here to support you if you are concerned about someone else's alcohol or other drug use. We can chat, offer listening support and information, and link you either into our own services or services local to you. Contact our helpline on 08080101011, email is helpline at sfad.org.uk, or you can use the web chat on our website at sfad.org.uk.